Hi. This is Angel Lodwick. Welcome to another edition of Sadistically Speaking. This is episode 75. If I had my druthers, I'd screw a chimpanzee. So, apologies are in order. I try to fact-check myself on my podcast episodes. I look everything up to make sure I'm not spreading misinformation. Uh, but sometimes I rely on my feeble memory, and it often gets me in trouble. So, in the last episode... I made reference to the murder of six people in Waukesha, Wisconsin, last year at a Christmas parade and said it was an example of a mass shooter, who I then stated was black. Well, Daryl Brooks was in fact black, and he did kill six people and injure 62 others, but he didn't shoot them. He drove an SUV through the crowd. He was actually a mass driver and not a mass shooter. But that makes one think, who allowed him to have a driver's license? Was there a proper background check? After all, he did have an extensive record. Uh, He posted online advocating violence against white people and Jews. And I'm not kidding. He was arrested 21 days earlier for hitting his ex-girlfriend with the exact same car. (laughs) Where are the driving red flag laws? Of course, the people who did give him this license were the people at the DMV. (laughs) Now, the DMV is my favorite answer to the question, how can you be a conservative? I've been asked this many times, uh, especially as an academic, where I was considered a rarity and a freak, like the chicken-eating geek at a carnival. Now, as a conservative, I prefer solutions that are not top-down and as little government as possible. And so when people ask me, hey, geek, how can you be a conservative? My answer was always, uh, the DMV. There's no person that does not despise going to the DMV. I actually can't think of another humiliation that we put ourselves through so unquestioning, except for maybe air travel. I mean, think about it. If you move to a new state and have to get a driver's license, even if you have an exemplary driving record, you know this is going to be a shit show. You first have to strategize about maybe the best time to go, like when would it be the least busy since you could get in and out in, say, less than eight hours. So you think maybe Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. People would be gone to work at that time. It's the middle of the week. And me, it doesn't fucking matter. You're wrong. Whatever reasoning you use. So you show up and they usually have some kind of triage desk to get you going. And you try to tell the person what you need. But before you finish a sentence, this soulless person hands you a number and then sends you off to the most uncomfortable chairs in the world to wait your fate. And as you sit in those chairs designed by, I'm guessing, the Marquis de Sade, you realize that the number they gave you is actually a letter and a number in some archaic system that you can't possibly understand. And now is the joyful torture. Seriously, if I had to design an actual torture for Gitmo or, say, the inner sanctum of some Saudi Arabia journalism prison, I couldn't be this amazingly creative. 
So they have you sit there in these chairs and you have no idea how long you could be there. Could be five minutes, could be five hours. You think, should I go to the bathroom? Better not in case I'm next. Who knows when E-147 is going to be called up. They just called up C-65. I don't know. I might be next. Should I start reading a book or maybe a news story on my phone? Don't know if it's worth it. I may be next and I need to be alert. So you stare at the stupid ads and public service announcements on the screens for several hours. And you try to ignore the people around you because if you do look at them, you will lose all regard for humanity. Then your letter number is finally called and you run up and sit in a chair across from someone who hates you, hates their job, and hates their entire life. And you actually feel guilty being there. You're so demeaned as a human, you have flashbacks of sitting in the principal's office in school. Everything makes you feel like you are a piece of shit that is disturbing this person. And you sit there and hope and pray to God. Even if you're an atheist, you pray to God that you brought every piece of documentation that could possibly be necessary for this transaction. You brought your fucking third grade report card just in case they need it. And you know what's going to happen. You know it. The person behind the desk who looks quite ill and as if they're fed the blood of small animals intravenously to keep them alive, <laughs> they'll find some document that you don't have and suddenly need. They're like, um, so did you bring an authenticated picture of your great-grandfather on your mother's side? Oh, no. Well, I'm sorry. How are we supposed to just give you these vanity license plates you ordered? And of course they do that because they can juggle you off until later. And then they can have their little break between people and enjoy a slurp of rodent juice. I mean, I'm sure they live for those moments between when one ass lifts off the seat in front of them and when the next problem comes and sits their ass down. If you really did have all the papers to seal the deal, then they'd have to actually do some work. Not what they want. And the fact is, there's no incentive, none, for the DMV to provide good customer service. You have no other options. It's a monopoly. Only the government can provide these licenses. You can't spend an extra $10 down the street at the competing DMV to be treated like a human. And somehow we accept this all. So anytime people suggest that we have the government take over health care or gas stations just come up recently, I asked them, would you want the DMV experience every time you went to the doctor or filled up your tank? No, thank you. On the positive side, I can have my revenge fantasies against Daryl Brooks Jr. who ran over all those people in my home state, Wisconsin, last year. Because now I know the motherfucker had to suffer through the DMV. Suck it, bitch! Pass the tequila. Out!